of you out there. This is Jerry Fox, and I want to tell all of you you're special. Why? Because you are special, and you're a listener. It's a public service. We don't charge a subscription fee so that you can just get knowledge, not arguments, knowledge. I want to share all the knowledge of great, great guests with you and spread the word because this is how you grow as a human being and a person or a leader or corporate thought leader. And I want to tell you, this is brought to you by Gerard Fox Law, a firm that I started. It's very special, very diverse, full of women, full of minorities, full of winning, 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 winning lawyers. Call us at 310-441-0500. Now, I have a great guest for you. Another one. I promise each week I'll unwrap a great, great, great guest. I have Patty Plue. She is the ESOP evangelist. She is a woman of faith and a gifted entrepreneur who has established several successful businesses throughout her 30-year career. I'm going to tell you, whether you have faith or not, and faith is very important, believing in how you were created and this world is created. Don't ever, ever, ever take issue with someone who has faith. It's the boat that they row their life in. Leave them alone. She has extensive experience buying, selling, and running businesses. Not everyone can say that. This expertise developed over time, and it's allowed her to have the ability to assist and give the small business owners, all of you out there, big hello, options for retirement. Oh, man, that's the big word, isn't it, for some of you? And for some of you, you're so young, you're thinking, why would I ever listen to a podcast on retirement? Because someday you'll want to retire, maybe young, or exiting their business in a dignified way. Some of you will sell a lot of your companies. Flew graduated 1976. Man, the 70s were awesome. I have to tell you, Patty knows that. It was rocking. With a nursing degree from Gateway Technical College and then worked for 15 years as a bedside nurse. Oh, bless your soul, Patty. And, you know, bedside nurses, my mom worked in a hospital and, and they are underappreciated like teachers. Um, not their unions, but the teachers. In a variety of settings before she embarked on her entrepreneurial journey. Currently, Plu holds several board of directors positions, including MMAC, the Granville BID, and one at Helix Holdings, Inc., Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the Brewers, an industry leader and 100% employee-owned ESOP, we're going to underline that, holding company with four portfolio companies, Helix Wellness, Helix Clinics, Helix Technology, and core staffing group. That sounds really interesting. Prior to transitioning her BOD position at Helix, Plu was the president slash CEO of operations at Helix through June 2020. In that position, Plu implemented a continuous improvement and quality control system and contributed to the company's high client retention rate. Now, man, who doesn't want a retention rate? Patty, welcome to the show. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Yes, well, we're very, very happy to have you as a guest. Patty, can you explain for the audience? Some people know this very well. Maybe they're lawyers or maybe they're in the financial world, but a lot of people don't. What is an ESOP? E-S-O-P. What is it? It's an employee stock ownership plan. So at a very high level, it is a retirement benefit for employees that once it is put in place, the employees actually become shareholders in the company because shares are allocated to them over time. And 
How many employees do you have to have in a company to have an ESOP program? 15 or more W-2 employees that work 1,000 hours a year or more. Okay. And so let's just unwrap this a little bit. Okay. I have a bunch of employees and I want them, I want a transition plan. I want them to take ownership in this company down the road. How does the owner benefit from having the ESOP? Let's start there. I'm going to set it up and I'm in your office and you're saying, hey, man, there's a huge benefit of having this ESOP. Set it up and give stock, give ownership of your company to your employees. Say, whoa, whoa, I love my employees, but where's the benefit to me, the owner? Let's start there. I'm happy to start there because as the shareholder of the company of 200 employees that I just turned into or transitioned into an ESOP, of course, that was on the top of my list as well. And let me start out with The first benefit is you're guaranteed fair market value for your company, okay? And once you get ready to sell your company, you don't have to find a buyer. You already have one that's guaranteeing you fair market value. In addition to that, you can literally defer your capital gains by electing a 1042 exchange indefinitely. So so let me stop you. I got Two big questions. Who decides fair market value in that situation? You're a privately owned company. You're not on the stock exchange. You have an ESOP. You have your employees. They want to buy their stock and they want to do it at fair market value. Who sets that? Well, what we do as at Excel Legacy, we start out with phase one when you start looking into an ESOP and we do a very high level valuation for you. And a 33-page report that will tell you over a 10-year period how your company will look as an ESOP. And if you decide to move forward from there, a trustee gets involved because a trustee represents the employees. We represent the shareholder and the trustee represents the employees. The trustee comes in then with their own third-party valuation firm and does a very deep dive on your financials, comes back with a price that they're willing to pay on behalf of the employees. And then we negotiate with the trustee and come up with a fair market price. And I can tell you through my experience at Helix, our first high-level valuation was lower than what the trustee was willing to pay. Uh, now, I have a question. I have to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have lots of questions here that my audience will have. I find that most owners of small businesses overvalue their own business. That's just generally how I see it in litigation. And of course, sometimes they don't even know how to value their own business, right? They're taking salaries out. They're running a golf club through it. They're putting expenses through it that maybe they can or they can't. And, you know, they have good years, bad years. Talk about the process of the owner coming to terms with the actual value of their business and probably wanting to do that before they go into a sell mode so that they can improve the value of their business. That would seem very important in this process. The first valuation that is done, you don't have to go any further with the ESOP than phase one. If you're not satisfied with the valuation, and there's a trailing 12 months that is used in that process. 
of that evaluation. And it's used by our company and it's also used by the trustee. But if you're not satisfied with that, okay, and I hear you when uh, I hear you say that sometimes business owners inflate the value of their company because it's what it's worth to them. They've built it. They've put their blood, sweat, and tears in. But these figures are fair market value. This is what the company is truly worth. Okay, another question. Sorry to keep asking questions, but I this is fascinating for a lot of people and me. And you, you know, you're the ESOP evangelist. If a lot of companies are driven by even large companies by big personalities and big thought leaders, and if they're retiring and they leave the company behind, you can think of reading the story of Apple and Steve Jobs leaving, and you know, yeah, okay, the, you know, but there were problems after that. Smaller businesses are sometimes really personality driven. And if you take the person out of the business, it shrinks dramatically. How do you account for that? This is the next benefit for uh, the shareholder that's selling the business. If you wanted to stay on indefinitely and stay in control of your company, you could do that. You can stay on, stay in control, and at your same salary rate. If you want, if you so desire, if you don't want to stay on, you can stay on the board so that you do have a say in the company. You do have a face in the company and you're 100% right that the company's shareholder, and this is something, it's, it's interesting that you bring this point up, Gary, because this is something that I was very passionate about is that my company had to stand on its own merit and not on me, Patty, as the personality. And I worked very hard on that. And I put that, I put a leadership team in place that when the trustee came in, because that was one of the things that the trustee is going to be very concerned about, is that will the company be able to thrive, survive and thrive if the leader walks away. And so my recommendation is, if the answer to that question is no, then that's part of what we do is we work with you to get your company to that point. Because I realized with my company that that was a key point with the trustee. How would the company function if you walked away? We were able to prove that the leadership team was the company and not Patty Plue. Now, Patty, that's a great point. So I would assume, and I want, I know there are a lot of small business owners listening very closely here. You know, I think if you have a succession plan, and tell me if you agree, that you have to then build slowly but surely over time as you move towards your transitioning out. You have to brand other people under you you have to get them out and meeting the client base. You have to get them standing on their own in business development and business retention. You have to have a plan that ties maybe several people together, several great minds together who are going to buy the company and make sure that they're all on the same page. They're not going to fracture. So you have to build this great independent team. And some business owners you know, like to be the person, I'm in control. But you have to give that up in order to get the benefit. And that's a process you may have to go through, correct? 
that is a process you have to go through. And I had a very wise mentor that told me this a long time ago, that the company needed to stand on its own to have any value. Because if you put it on the market, not even with ESOPs, if you just a third-party buyer, if the CEO is the company, the value is decreased. If the company can, if somebody can walk in and take over your company and your customers are not going to miss that CEO, that company is valued higher. I got it. That is a main concern. So what I did because of this very, very wise mentor, two years prior to the ESOP being formed, I had put a leadership team in place and I slowly backed away and let them run the company. I was in the background mentoring them, guiding them, but I was not the face of Helix at that time. They were. And we were able, I did that. I didn't even know about ESOPs when I did that. I did that because of selling your company to anyone, to a third party, to a PE firm. If you didn't have a leadership team in place and you were the company, you would be devalued. And then when I found out that it was equally important to the trustee of the ESOP, it was a very pleasant surprise, not surprise, it was very pleasant for me to know that I could walk away and my company wouldn't be devalued. And the trustee, we were able to prove that readily to the trustee by, they came to the, to the business, this was pre-COVID obviously, and visited with our employees. And we were able to demonstrate that the company did not need Patty Plew in order to function and survive. That is such an important point, all you business owners out there. All you business owners out there, you have to have a plan where you step back. It's almost like raising children, you know, where you need them to be independent and strong and go out there on their own. And, you know, you need to step back. And same with your company. And that means that when you're hiring and you're building a culture, you need to find people who are really, you know, really excited about the company, who understand the culture, and who are like-minded and who can move the company in the next direction because they have to form a partnership. They have to be fiduciaries to each other and to the culture. So you have to have those people in place or else it's not going to work. Correct. That's right. So you did a lot of amazing things there. you got the right people in place. You got a really coordinated team that understood the culture and the mission of the company. You were able to take your ego and park it in the parking lot and go in and let go and, and let them stand on their own. And now I want to get to the really big issue, which is what was the prize at the end of this exercise for you? Tell the audience what you got by doing that. I got fair market value for my company. Yay. Yay. Way to go. Way to go. Way to go. And like I said, the trustee offered more than what the initial valuation was. So that was a pleasant surprise as well. But a couple of the other benefits, I said you can defer capital gains indefinitely. 
by electing a 1042 exchange. That's a huge benefit. Yes, let me stop you. That, that, that's for me and the audience and non-tax lawyers. When I think 1042 exchange, I think people who buy and sell properties, you know, through investment and they can defer their capital gains because they sold their interest in a commercial property or a real estate development and exchanged it for something that was like kind under the code and they, they didn't get taxed. But what are you exchanging if you're if you're in your model? I am deferring taxes and I'm taking all this cash. What do I have to put it into? Can I put it into the stock market? Can I put it into bonds? Can I put it into other investments that are not a company? So the answer is yes. The real estate version of this is the 1031 exchange. The 1042 exchange that can be used during an ESOP, you have to invest. So let's say the total of your company was worth $20 million. Let's just use that for easy math. Okay. You need to take, at two years ago, it was 20%, and now it's 10 to 15%. You need to invest into the stock market, and there are certain stocks, blue chips, that you need to invest that one lump sum into for your lifetime. And that will defer your capital gains indefinitely, even when your heirs take the money out. Okay. Oh, really? So in other yes. words, that's wild. So if, if I invest within the indexes that the IRS says I have to invest this 15% in, yep. my heirs under some type of trust or will can receive the capital gains that are deferred and the new capital gains, if there are any, I don't know. That's a question for tax and trust lawyers. I'm not going to put you on the spot. And there's huge benefits. They may not have to, to pay taxes. That's pretty wild if you think about it. I mean, you would get to give a tax-free gift of your life work. That's exactly right. So that's a benefit to the shareholders. All right. The next benefit is that when you create an ESOP, you create a tax-free entity. You become, you function like a 501c3. You're a for-profit business. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. You don't, that means you don't have to zero everything out at the end of the year. You can leave revenue in your company, not have to pay it, which is, which is, you know, I can tell you in running a private small law firm, for example, you want to leave your surpluses in, you know, for rainy days, like a pandemic. But if you leave it in, you have to pay taxes at the end of the year. So if I form an ESOP and get my employees who are, I think, by the way, we have great, great law firm and everyone loves the culture and I have great leaders and I'm trying to get them. It takes a little time and it's not weeks, it's not months, it's years get them to see themselves as part of the brand. And some of them are really I'm proud of stepping up and becoming leaders. And, you know, so I have them there, but, you know, this would work great for me and a million other businesses, which leads to my next question. Are certain businesses excluded from forming an ESOP, like a law firm, like an accounting firm, like a religious organization, for example? I just talked to a wonderful person who does all of the investing for religious organizations all up and down the East Coast. So is anything excluded? If you have 15 employees or more, I don't know of any exclusions other than if you're a publicly traded company, you, you need to go private in order to be an ESOP. Yeah. So this is for private. Okay. Well, most of my listeners own private companies. A few of them work for public companies, but they might one day leave and 
form their own company. And I would recommend that you get out there, be an entrepreneur, take the big leap and do something that you can own for yourself. Absolutely. So how long does the process take? In other words, if I wandered into your world and said, Patty, I am very interested. I have over, you know, 30 employees. I want to get this set up so that, you know, 12 years from now, I can walk away from this, get fair market value for my firm and have my team very happy with their ownership, uh, which I'll ask you another question about in a moment. But how long does the process of working with you, lawyers, whoever I have to work with, filing papers with the appropriate tax authorities, how long does that generally, and I know it would be differ on different organizations because of valuation issues, generally, can we, and I'm not holding you to it, nor will the audience, but how long would that generally take? About 45 days. Wow. That's a wow. That's a wow. Whew. 45 days is quick. And then all of a sudden your company, your private company is tax exempt. You can leave all your revenue surpluses in not to pay taxes. Now, let's talk about what happens when the employees pay for the um, stock. Do they have to pay? They don't. They don't. It's a free gift to the employees. They don't pay for the stock. So who's paying for it? The company is buying out the shareholders. The trustee is put in place and the trustee becomes on paper the buyer of the stock. Oh, okay. So I got it. The entity itself. The entity buys out the shareholders. That's why there is a vesting period for the employees for the stock or for the retirement benefit windfall. It's anywhere from three to six years because the first order of business is paying out the shareholders for the first loan. And remember I said first loan because there's another benefit we haven't even talked about yet that is probably going to trump all the benefits we've talked okay, about. Okay, but so far. all right, so I'm you know I'm taking baby steps here with you because you're the expert and I'm learning like the audience. So I provide these shares to the employees so that I have a tax exempt status while I'm operating. The corporation has enough funds in it to buy the shareholders out. They all get a bunch of cash, right? Because they just got bought out. They own the shares, or I did, and them. And I get the proceeds, I would assume. Trustee gives it to me. And I can put 15% of it and transfer it to my heirs without a tax issue or a much lesser tax issue. The rest I can also defer if I put into other appropriate things, talk to the tax lawyer, talk to the accountant. Now, this is where it gets tricky. The corporation will have on its books, if it buys the stock and pays you out, well, that's, you know, that's a big expense. I guess you plan the whole thing yourself as the owner, correct? Because you're essentially transferring all the value in the business to yourself and the employees are left with what's left over. Is that correct? Now, how do you would need to leave enough cash in the surviving entity after you transfer the fair market value out of the company to yourself, essentially, to run. And is that correct? It, it typically happens with either owner financing or a combination of owner financing and bank financing. Okay, so let me stop you there, Patty. Last question. So the new owners of the company, well, the company, is there, right? Its shareholders have been bought back, but now the company has to be owned by somebody. 
It's owned by the employees. Okay, so so when they're bought out, so you can transfer the value to yourself, does the trustee issue new shares to them? I mean, I'm lost in a step here. The shares come back to the company and they're allocated out to the employees. So we are exchanging our shares for money or for financing. And if the owner, now if you get a bank loan, typically it's a bank loan and owner financing or all owner financing. If you opt for owner financing, you can actually get what's called the second bite of the apple. Because what you get in return for financing the transaction is you get warrants. And those warrants after that loan is paid off can be exchanged for stock in the company's shares. And you can literally sell your company twice. You can sell up to 49.9% because the government does not allow you to gain more than that back legally. So you don't gain control of your company again. Got it. But you can sell pretty much right up to that line at 50%. And of course, if you really want to hit a grand slam, I assume the deal is I form my ESOP. I'm not taxable. I'm treated like a charitable organization. My revenue can be retained. I don't have to pay taxes. I have shares that are owned by the employees. I get paid a whole bunch of cash, some of which has huge benefits in trust and estates and uh, planning and lowering taxes. Then I loan money back to the company from some of the money I just took in. I get a bunch of benefits up to 49.9%. But man, the grand slam would be if the company took the big leap to go public and you had 49% of that company or 39%, then you pick the right people. You got back stock warrants that you could exercise before it went public. That would be like phenomenal, wouldn't it? Yes, that's one way of doing it. Or you could sell those shares back to the company. On average, and this is just average, the original shareholders get about 30 to 35% back of their shares. I do know a story about a company in my hometown that was an ESOP, $25 million company. Now remember, they don't pay corporate taxes. So let's just say that $350,000 on every million is going to the bottom line of the balance sheet. And that is funding. Now the owners have been paid out. That was originally used as a portion to pay the owners out. But now that's funding the retirement fund, or they can buy other businesses with that money, expand their business footprint, real estate. I mean, really the sky is the limit with this extra percentage that normally would have been paid by with taxes. So with that said, this company was a $25 million company, hired a new president, and she turned the company by buying four other companies into a $100 million company. So you just sold your company for $25 million, but then when you go take advantage of the second bite of the apple, you are on average getting 30 to $35 million with the second time you sell your company. So if you choose to sell it back, either you get bank financing and you take the lump sum this time, or you do owner financing again, it's totally up to you. In addition to that, there is a second part of the second bite of the apple for employees called the management incentive plan. And what that is, is 
that you can literally use that as a golden set of handcuffs. Typically, you put like 10% is average what you put in this management incentive fund. And once that first loan is paid off, those warrants are traded in for shares, exchanged for shares for these leaders that are in the management incentive program. And let's just use the $100,000 as an example, okay? $100 million that the company's worth. And you have five leaders, and it's 10%. They're each going to get $2 million from that management incentive plan. Wow, that's phenomenal. Well, Patty, first of all, we could sit here all day and talk about ESOPs, which maybe I never thought I would do, but it's fascinating to me, and the questions are endless. Did you ever do you have a book or a pamphlet or some materials that I could that you could refer the audience to if they want to get their hands around something that's written? Absolutely, I can send that to you, Gary. I also have a website. It's excellegacygroup.com and all the information is on my website. Is that excel e x c e l legacy.com? e x c e l legacygroup.com group.com. And did you write a book? Does it have a title? Can somebody order it on Amazon? I don't have a book yet. I literally just transitioned my own company into an ESOP in 2020 and launched Excel Legacy Group because I saw a need out there and the lack of education on the benefits of ESOP. So I am in the process, actually, of just talking about writing a book. Well, first of all, I see a book coming. And uh, I want to end on a few notes. First of all, Patty, I want to thank you. Second of all, for all the women in my audience, I'm going to just tell you, Cleopatra, she ruled the day in her time. All of you do. You're careful thinkers. You're big leaders. You are going to run a lot of companies. Did you hear that last story? It was a woman who bought four other companies and increased the value. So don't limit yourself. I don't think if you have kids, you're going to limit yourself. That is bizarre thinking. Today's world, you can do it all. It's a little tough. You have mentors out there. Go find them. Don't tell me if you come from the inner city that you can't do it. Focus. Invest in education because no one can take that away from you. And look at other women role models. There are tons of them out there. And I'm really proud to put Patty forward. And for you dudes out there, listen up, man. There's a lot of huge benefits. And you know this is a very intelligent woman leaving breadcrumb trail for you to be a smart business owner. I, I just got to tell you, this is massive knowledge, whether you're a part of my audience now in Belgium and Brussels or down in Nicaragua or in Spain or wherever, because I have a lot of listeners. Find your way to Patty. Check out the website, get in touch with her and talk more about this. You know, this is good for you. It's good for your company. It's good for the footprint of businesses. And uh, Patty, thank you for being a guest. You're welcome. All right. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.